Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, uh, western half of the United States was hotter than uh, than Jesus. Set a record in Las Vegas. Set a record around where I live at 113. That's pretty warm. East Coast with that tropical storm. What's its face going through? Ten inches of rain. Western U.S. Can you imagine that? Ten inches of rain in a week. I don't know much about uh, filling uh, reservoirs, but i got to believe that would have done a hell of a... It would have been a good start. So, anyway. Death Valley hit 130. It's really hot there. Over the weekend. So, yeah, that's warm. Hmm. To my eternal like. shame, I've never visited Death Valley. Oh, really? God, I've, I've probably done it ten times. Maybe I'll go this afternoon. I'm a big fan. Take um, a jog. The 134 is the record hottest ever on Earth, and they hit 130 the other day. So that's pretty close to the hottest that's ever been on planet Earth. Mm, craziness. So uh, I am not a partisan, per se. I'm actually still a registered libertarian, I think. Um, I am an ideologue. I, I, I like conservative ideas much more than progressive ideas and will to the grave as I've taken a look at their success rates around the world and there's a clear winner to me. Um, on the other hand, the Republican Party makes me insane. I think they are, to a large extent, a principle-free zone. A bunch of lying hypocrites who go with uh, whichever way the wind blows, which is fine. It's the business they're in. Anybody who, who trusts or reveres a politician is a fool. Having said that, if I was just an R, I'm like a consultant. I make my living getting Republicans uh, elected. I would be afraid of Eric Adams. Yeah, I watched him on the uh, whichever show he was on over the weekend yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we play a couple of clips? This is the guy who is uh, apparently going to be the next mayor of New York City. He's a Democrat. He won the primary, which means he's going to win. Former cop ran on law and order. Yeah, he did, and uh, and not only are his positions pretty reasonable and smart, but he explains them really well, too. So get uh, back to my ideology, Eric Adams makes me happy. If this is the way Democrats are talking, I'm a happy guy. But again, if I'm a Republican, just want R in front of people's names, I'm a little scared. Clip number 30, please. What should Democrats across the country take away from your victory? Uh, we can't be so idealistic that we're not realistic realistic cities are hurting all across america and new york personifies that pain uh the inequalities the gun violence uh the lack of really looking after everyday blue collar workers i like to say and we have failed for so many years we can't be so idealistic we're not realistic he sounds like joe biden uh you know 20 years ago yeah yeah he does that's good stuff let's go with clip 31 no matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, or you didn't vote for me, you don't want to be pushed on the subway tracks due to someone dealing with mental health issues. You don't want to have your three-year-old babies being shot. I have a universal message to all New Yorkers. No matter who you voted for, I'm going to make sure that our economy returns and that we are a safe city, which is a prerequisite to prosperity. Another fine Republican rising up through the... Oh, he's a Democrat. Wow, that's good stuff. Roll on, 32. We're too expensive, too bureaucratic, too difficult to open a business here. We want to change that and incentivize companies coming in. We want to be the center of life science and biotech, uh, self-driving cars. This is going to be a place where we build empires and not destroy them. Holy cow. 
cow, I think I'm in love. Too bureaucratic, too much red tape to open a business. Sort of thing that uh, Gavin Newsom should say in California, but doesn't. Do you remember the story of, I, I don't know why I'm chuckling, it's horrific. Sometimes things are so awful, all you can do is laugh. That guy who is trying to open the ice cream shop. In San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And what he, he was trying for like two years. He spent a couple hundred thousand dollars trying desperately to be allowed to exchange ice cream cones for a small change in America. And he finally gave up. New York might have a leader who understands what an obscenity that is, how un-American it is, and also what bad politics it is. Uh, one more clip. This is Eric Adams in 33. Public safety, uh, that's the prerequisite to prosperity. Uh, we must have parks, not like Washington Square, where people are injecting themselves with drugs while babies are trying to play. Our children should not be like 10-year-old Justice that's shot and killed. We should not lose three-year-old children being shot in Times Square. Once we become safe as a city, then people can finally enjoy the growth that I'm going to bring in this city. We're going to be a safe city, and we're going to be ready to do business again. We're going to live up to our name. This is an empire state. We're going to build empires. That's the part that really grabbed me that I thought that so many Democrats don't have the guts to say now. Talking about the homeless in the park there at Washington Square, they've been dealing with that. Um, uh, Riots at night and that sort of stuff. Locals complaining, even though it's always been a hippie park. Now they got the homeless drug addicts hanging out there, and it's not safe to be there. And he's saying, "No, we got to make the park safe for the kids and get the people shooting up out of there." No, 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 no. You need to talk about income inequality and how we have a system that leaves people behind and trans bathrooms and stuff like that. <laughs> well, that's not what uh, Eric Adams is talking about, and that breed of Democrat would win a lot of votes in a national election. A oh, yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. And and listen, as a lover of this country and the Constitution, that's my main ideology. If I heard, you know, Ted Weasel in Portland, if I heard Jenny Durkin in Seattle and Gavin Mussolini and, and, and uh, the, the governors of the bluest of the blue states and the blue cities, if, what's her name? Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. If I heard them talking like this, my heart would be soaring with hope for America. A lot of the, the awful, idiotic, suicidal trends that we see, you know, growing that worry me so much. I mean, I wish more people were talking like Eric Adams. You know, I, he may have some dark underbelly I don't know about. I don't follow, you know, internal New York City politics that much. But it, I'm assuming for now, he, he there's nothing completely insane about him and his candidacy. I am so heartened because if this works, if he's successful, if he talks to the Bill Brattons of the world and maybe Rudy Giuliani on one of his non-loco days, um, if, if he, <laughs> if he really studies what worked in the past and implements in New York, implements it in New York City and is successful as a Democrat in a big blue city with common sense, average people, Public safety first, build from their measures. That'll be a great thing for America. I'm rooting like crazy for this guy. I'm sure there are New Yorkers listening who can't stand him. Please address your emails to mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. AOC didn't endorse him. She endorsed the socialist who wanted to take a billion dollars out of the police department. Yeah, she is a wackadoo. Yeah. But her brand gets all the attention. Uh, And this guy won in New York. So I think you're right. I think this is a big deal. It's also a big deal that it took so long to name him as the winner. And um, I mentioned this earlier, but it's the most interesting and important thing that I learned over the weekend, taking in a whole bunch of information as I was listening to the Dispatch podcast 
about their biggest fear about where we are as far as elections. So they did rank choice voting in New York, and it took a long time to name a winner. And so all of the drive-by media that doesn't pay much attention have been blaming it on ranked choice voting. Uh, Chris Steyerwalt, who used to be with Fox, who's now with the Dispatch, and who knows a lot about the way elections and polling work, said it didn't have anything to do with ranked choice voting. They couldn't get their act together the previous election either. It took them forever because they're just really bad at it. Um, they've uh, tried to open up voting, make voting last longer. There are more ways to vote. It gets more complicated. They also, for some reason, they're so screwed up in New York that they counted all their test ballots in the final balloting, and one of the one of the people that finished second or third had to come forward and say, I think he counted the test ballots, and then they said, oh, yeah, I guess we did. So they had to oh. start completely over. I mean, it was really, really bad. And then so more digging into it led people to understand that the reason they're so bad at it is that everybody that's on the election committee or running the whole thing is like somebody's son or grandmother or wife or whatever. They weren't hiring people based on their expertise or abilities. They're yeah, just it's hiring. a big patronage cash fountain. And so all across America, as elections are getting more, if you're uh, mainstream media and the Democrats, you call it more fair and open, but they're allowing more voting in more ways. Which more is, complicated, which no is, denying it. Which is more complicated, which is, one, going to make it easier for people to cheat if they want to, but I think way more importantly, allow more people to claim there was cheating, because there's so many different ways to vote. If you have voting for for nine days, there's, there's there's just it's just easier to claim that there was fraudulent voting going on. The and chain of custody of a ballot ought to be incredibly simple and rock solid. I filled it out. I put it in the box, which nobody gets to open until counting time. Period. That's it. You know, mail in ballots are fine. I understand the reason for that. With a signature, you signed up in advance. That's fine. We can do that. Stacey Abrams, Democrat, claimed the election in Georgia was stolen from her. That was before Trump ever came along and claimed the election was stolen from him. There are people on both sides claiming our elections aren't free and fair. Hillary, of course. And so now we're making things way more complicated to vote to allow more people to believe elections aren't fair. And so this is leading to a scenario that the Dispatch podcast talked about that I think could very easily happen. The Republicans take back the House. And if a Democrat barely wins the presidency, you might have a situation where, do you remember how January 6th happened, the storming of the Capitol? That Uh was because Congress was about to certify the vote. What if a Republican Congress doesn't certify the vote in a presidential election? They say, no, we don't think this was accurate. And... You know, the, there are enough Republicans that are getting pushed by enough of their constituents to say, no, we're not going to certify the vote. What happens then? What sort of constitutional crisis do we end up with where half of the country says, no, absolutely, Biden won re-election, and the Republican Congress says, we're not certifying that vote? Where do we go from there? Well, and I think it's even more And like, I think the chance of that happening is pretty decent. I think it's outstanding. I, th- I think it's highly, well, not highly likely, but certainly possible. And I, I've got a scenario I want to spit out, but we really need to take a break. So I will show okay. some restraint for once in my life. Okay, but it, I think that could happen. We could end up with like a, we've been mocking the whole constitutional crisis thing for a long time. This could be a serious constitutional crisis. Like, what are we supposed to do now? And it can happen easily. It's A plus B. I'll, I'll describe what I mean next. Armstrong and Getty. 
Armstrong and Getty Show. So I clean my friend's apartments for extra money on the side, right? But my friend tells me that one of his co-workers wants me to clean his apartment. He tells me that there's a key under the mat. So he calls me and he's like, yo, where are you? And I was like, um, I'm in your living room waiting for you to walk in. I'm playing with your cat. He goes, uh, man, I don't have a cat. I cleaned the wrong apartment and broke in and cleaned somebody's random apartment. Cool. (laughs) Where do I sign up? Hey, get out of here and thanks. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, when does a major airline CEO think we'll get back to normal air travel, masklessness, the rest of it? We'll play those tapes for you coming up. Well, normal air travel in terms of numbers, we're already there. Uh, yeah, more or less, although they're struggling to find crews and planes and the rest well, they, of it. It's they're, just they're, a little chaotic. More people flew over Fourth of July weekend than flew over the 2019 Fourth of July weekend. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'll, so we're, be we're, we're beyond uh, back. But the, I'd like the masks to go away. Another, another. Why I'm vaccinated? Why am I wearing a freaking mask? Rand Paul uh, introduced legislation to end that, but I don't know if that was a stunt or what. I don't know, uh, and it probably won't go anywhere. But yeah, I saw that with interest. Well, the Randy man standing up for liberty. I think he's the last one. But getting back to the last segment's discussion, uh, and and Jack pointing out uh, partly via the Dispatch podcast that if we really, really loosen up. All the ways you can vote, the time you can vote, the method, who gets to handle the ballots. Some vote harvester, ballot harvester can show up with a bag with 200 ballots and just dump them in the election office and say, yeah, they're all legit. Sure they are. Not only is the chance of fraud enormously higher, but the perception, the the chance of the perception of fraud is astronomical. The key, and... We took it for granted for so long. The key to elections working is that we believe they're legit. Right. It doesn't matter whether they're legit or not. We have to believe they're legit. And if we stop believing they're legit, whether they were or not, it all comes apart. Although I would say that with very few exceptions, they have been, sure. uh, in large measure, yeah. perfectly legit. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, the scenario that clicked in my head when we were talking about this, and granted, this is not going to happen every four years, but please, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to Florida 2000, or the 2000 Bush-Gore election. Florida so incredibly close, they started scrutinizing every ballot, the whole hanging Chad thing. That dispute, which divided America, and 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 half of the country still thinks Bush somehow stole the election through Sandra Day O'Connor, even though the New York Times has repeatedly published their own study that shows no Bush won. By any measure, Bush won. But there's half of America that, that can't or won't accept that, including fat Al Gore. Wait, anyway, bring back the Al Gore clip. Can I hear that again? Bullshit. There you go. How, what, what do you just have that in your back pocket, Michael? That's, you're a pro. I mean, you're a pro's pro. You're a pro's 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 pro. Anyway, that dispute, which was incredibly divisive and remains so today, if anybody wants to talk about it, and was such a close call and the Supreme Court had to weigh in, that was during an era of extremely tight ballot custody. You had a few mail-in ballot service people, people overseas, that sort of thing, absentees who couldn't make it to the polls. They were approved to get absentee ballots. But it was, uh, you know, I'd have to look it up, but it was the huge, the vast, vast, vast majority of ballots were, I take a ballot, I fill it out in a booth in my own, in private, then I put it directly into the locked ballot box, 
where it goes to be counted. I mean, that's as simple and steady as it can be and dependable. Well, in that scenario, we about tore ourselves apart and went crazy as a country, and the Supreme Court ruled, and everybody made claims and counterclaims, and and the fabric of America and the fabric of of, uh, faith in our elections was torn rather badly. Now, picture those same facts and numbers going on in an era where you have ballot harvesters dropping in their 200 ballots and people voting for weeks and no voter ID required, my personal favorite. We've learned that 85% of people or 80% think it's perfectly legitimate to show an ID. But it, with if all of those kind of loose, fast and loose voting methods are going on, and you have a Florida, kaboom, forget it, we're done. We, we are in terrible trouble. Yep, you have, a, if a Democrat wins a close election and the Republicans have the House, they will not certify the election, and I have no idea what happens at that And point. maybe they shouldn't. And maybe they shouldn't. Who knows? Can you imagine the, the Sturm und Drang? To fall back on my German education. Nazi Germany. No, no, regular Germany. Just and, the and, German people. And the Swalwells and Schiffs of the world claiming that, you know, Trump stole the, that election. I mean, there, there's plenty of blame to go around for Jim Crow on steroids, etc. Yikes! Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What state are we flying over? Um, since we're going from Houston, Texas to Dallas, Texas, we're going to be flying over Texas. Hey, do you think you can make the plane a little less loud? Um, I'm sorry, I don't think that's going to be possible. You ever been in the Mile High Club? <laughs> no. Hey, can we get there faster? I have a connecting flight. I'm not the one flying the plane, but I'll definitely let the captain know. Is the Wendy's at the airport open? I've never even been to this state before. Do you have to pay for the flights that you go on? Like, I get paid to be here. This is my job. (laughs) That's a flight attendant giving some of the uh, examples of stupid questions asked by passengers. What states will be flying over? We're going from Houston to Dallas, mostly Texas. Uh, New Jersey, New Mexico, and Minnesota. Thanks for flying with us. I've actually flown more than most during the COVID thing, I guess. A combination of reasons, but uh, flown all over the place with my mask on and uncomfortable and miserable. And uh, and then I, I haven't been on a plane for a while. I'm going to soon, but I hear that, you know that, that there's a fist fight on every flight over masks and the Passengers are angry, and the flight attendants are angry, and the terminals are jammed. The, the guy that guy got on me uh, a couple weeks ago, I mean, I thought he was going to fight. I mean, he was mad about putting his mask on. Big dude, too. Not yes. Oh, boy, he's going to be a fighter. And you got flights getting canceled and moved around and the rest of it. Anyway, uh, United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby was uh, making the rounds uh, the other day on Face the Nation. He said a couple of things we found interesting. Clip 24, please. Well, I don't think anything will be normal on the other side of this, but... Uh, we expect that business demand is really going to pick up in September as mostly schools are back in, a lot of people are back in offices, but we don't think it really recovers in full until 2023. Uh, Europe, we expect to be, as soon as the borders are open, that will come back uh, largely in full. Um, probably next summer will be the biggest year in history for Europe. And Asia is probably another 18 to 24 months away. It's going to take a little longer to get Asia open. Hmm, Interesting. Uh, 2023 till things are fully normal. And then what about us poor saps flying back across, back and forth across the country, sir? 25. Yeah, well, one of the great things about flying on an airplane is it's literally, if you're going to be indoors with other people, it's the safest place to be, particularly because of the air filtration on the airplane. My guess is that the, the current government order expires on September 13th, 
and fingers crossed, my guess is it will expire uh, on September 13th, but we'll wait and see for sure. Yeah, see, I'm vaccinated, oh. so I'm not worried about the air, whether you recycle it or don't, or whatever you do, because I'm vaccinated, so. Yeah, yeah, but still. And so is everybody else on the plane. So what are we talking about? Well, I'm just, I'm glad that September 13th, there's a good chance they'll rescind all those orders. So I don't have to, as a fully vaccinated man, wear my mask all day in the GD terminal a full, and everything. A full year after you really needed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought those uh, were both interesting uh, bits of information in case you're thinking of traveling anytime soon. How about Greyhound? What are they doing? Because I love Mia. Uh, you know, the airplane will get there in two hours, but the Greyhound will take 14. So that's how I prefer to travel. Plus, you meet such interesting people and have them drool on you sometimes. Yeah. So I asked Joe before I mentioned this, is Vivek Ramzawami a non-nut job? He, Joe says yes. Yeah, I love his stuff. Yeah, he's he's a real uh, thinker. Interesting guy. Opinion piece in Wall Street Journal today. He said Trump can win his case against tech giants. The company's censor on the government's behalf. There's ample precedent for calling state action. Vivek says Trump could win this, and he went through all the uh, how all of the media just laughed. Oh, Trump's at it again. A crazy, stupid, you know, the crazy, stupid people listening to his crazy, stupid ideas. But Vivek lays out pretty uh, forcefully that Trump could win this. Well, and uh, I quoted Facebook Matt, and uh, and everybody else. Yeah, I quoted Matt Taibbi last week, who pointed out Facebook and Twitter and the rest of them are censoring people's speech. Because the federal government told them they have to, or the federal government would make bad things happen to them. So you can't farm out First first Amendment violations. You can't hire a, an army of private goons, as it were, as the federal government, and say, yeah, uh, bash in anybody's face who criticizes the government, and then say, it's not a First Amendment violation. It's not the government censoring them. It's the goons we hired. I wonder how close the link has to be for it to be a problem, because, you know, like, you, you can't bribe a politician, but you can give them $150,000, and then they do something that helps your company, and everybody's fine with it. Um, <laughs> so I wonder how tight the... Uh, Quid pro quo needs to be. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to throw out a guess, but it would just be a guess. I've got to believe the Supreme Court, as it's currently constituted, would be pretty leery of, uh, I mean, for instance, uh, Mark Berserkerberg in defending Facebook, deplatforming people and taking them off for pushing hydroxychloroquine or whatever. He says, no, no, we, we do what the government says or we follow their dictates as to what should be said. He stated that explicitly. And they have a regulatory power over his business and the rest of it. So it seems plenty direct to me. Different topic, same venue. There's a new book out called The Ugly Truth about Facebook, and it's written by a couple of New York Times reporters, which alone is kind of interesting because Facebook, you know, was the darling of, well, everybody for a couple of years, then of the left for a little while, um, and then the right for a little while. I don't know. I got the order wrong on that. But now everybody hates him. Uh, uh, a newly, deeply reported book by Times reporters recounts the full story of the social media company's foibles. Uh, and it's mostly, you know, ugly stuff about Facebook. But I thought this was kind of interesting. On January 6th, the day of the, the riot at the Capitol, after monitoring the messages domestic extremists were posting on Facebook, the company's security experts became increasingly worried that there was going to be violence in Washington, D.C. and a storming of the Capitol. I mean, they figured it out because they're looking at all the, the transmissions on Facebook. 
So the team actually got to Zuckerberg and said, hey, this is what we think is going to happen today. And Zuckerberg considered calling Donald Trump and saying, this is what looks like is going to happen, but decided uh, not to because he thought if he got caught doing that, there'd be all kinds of hell to pay about getting involved in government and being too much this way or that way or whatever. So he didn't. But there was enough communication on Facebook, but they're actually looking at it and say, okay, I can tell what's going to happen here. And didn't say anything. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you just call the Capitol Police, maybe? I don't know. Or the FBI or something like that. I don't know. I don't have the president's number, so I would never think of that. But. Correct. Uh, and then I came across this over the weekend. It's just uh, apropos of nothing. Uh, oh, it was uh, New York Times. They they pick one author every week, and they do an interview with them. But uh, they're asked this author, it doesn't matter who, What's the most interesting thing you recently learned from a book? And he said, probably the fact that the coffee break was invented, formalized, at a necktie company in Denver in the 1950s. Did you know this? I had no idea. I thought the coffee break was just kind of an expression, like, you know, let's let's go take a coffee break. No, it was a it was an idea that one particular company in Denver came up with in the 1950s as a solution to a problem they were having with quality control and productivity later in the day. The idea that an employer gives you time off to consume a drug the company provides free of charge should tell you all you need to know about the ties between capitalism and caffeine, it said here. I learned this about in a terrific work uh, history uh, called Coffee Land, if you're interested in coffee. But so, uh-huh. but it is kind of it is kind of interesting that they came up with this idea. So uh, we're having quality control problems in the afternoon. We think it's because our employers are tired. So we're going to give them a break where they're going to provide them a free stimulant drug. Right. Uh, that they'll take in. That's very addictive, so they're going to want it again tomorrow. Tastes bitter-licious. And uh, and then, then that's where the coffee break came from. I'm not Here against. at Rocky Mountain Neckties, we can't have you making ties that are fat on both ends. This is, this is absurd. You call this a necktie? <laughs> Look at this. This one's 12 inches long. This one's 5 feet long. What do we do about this? Although I, you know, as as a working man for uh, most of my life until I got into this cush gig, um, around the middle of the afternoon, you're desperate oh. for something. Oh, I I haven't had that experience, thank God, in so so long. Although I have it, some was a parent, and I have it over the last several years. Man, about the middle of the afternoon, my kids want to do something. I'm like, yeah, it does. That sounds like a good idea. Let's go wrestle. Uh. Well, yeah, as, as a working stiff, I did not enjoy that feeling oh, at all. That day after, the, the the hour after lunch, whether I was in high school oh. or my first several uh, cubicle jobs, oh, oh my God, I could have laid down on the floor and gone to sleep. Just 3 o'clock in the afternoon, just saying to yourself, focus. All right, focus. you got to focus. Come on, focus. focus. I can't remember what I'm supposed to focus on. No, you take a little break. You swig down some coffee. You have a, a, a trade a joke or two with your coworkers, and you get back to work. Win-win to me. Win-win. This guy's casting into some sort of Hitler feeding amphetamines to his stormtroopers crap. No, it's a good idea. But you thought it was just a perk all these years, a perk a later, it turns out is because they thought you're just going to get more productivity out of you. It was just a cost-benefit analysis thing. Okay, it's going to cost us $100 a week to buy coffee, but we're going to get like $10,000 worth of more productivity, so we'll give them free coffee. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I'm not against it. I just think it's interesting. And if it weren't for our fascist war on drugs, in some places you'd see the boss coming around with a big mirror with a bunch of silver spoons on there. Who needs a bump? Come on, who's who's feeling a little sleepy? Let's uh, let's get to the finish line, folks. What do you think? Come on. Now. <laughs> 
We have all our ties made for the month. Cool. <laughs> it's the third. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Road rage is back. At least once a day, someone is shot at, injured, or killed, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Some call it cove rage. Heavy traffic, short tempers, aggressive driving, an obscene gesture escalates the situation until one driver retaliates with a weapon. That hand gesture got my son executed. Yeah, and that's not fair. Monday in Houston, Paul Castro and his 17-year-old son David were on their way home from an Astros game when Dad exchanged hand gestures with the driver of a white Buick sedan who followed them before opening fire. David was shot in the incident and died yesterday. In the last four years, 22 Americans on average were killed or injured every month in road rage incidents, a number that has now nearly doubled to 42. Yeah, I'm not going to blame the victim of a crime. The shooter is the criminal, but I ain't flipping anybody off when I got my kid in my car. Um, uh, road rage is up. Fights on planes are up. Divorces are up. All kinds of crimes. What, what's not going on? Not to mention your, your addictions and despair and child suicide and the rest of it. Some of it's COVID, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, just, something. I don't know. The politics is more angry. Um I don't know. There's just this the sense of community, the whole we're all in this together. We might have differences, but how often do you hear that expressed, that thought? I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's going on. That ain't good, though. Uh, good to be Drake. Do you know Drake the singer? Uh, vaguely. He rented out Dodger Stadium for a date with a model. Wanted to impress her? So he rented out the entire Dodger Stadium. So That's they could impressive. have a uh, candlelight dinner there in the middle of the stadium. She was a Dodgers fan. Hey. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what we'll do. They get some tube steaks and some uh, some nachos with the uh, industrial cheese sauce on there. I don't know, but that's a pretty strong move to impress Jeez. someone. I'd say. Uh, I was at the mall with my son over the weekend, and uh, we were at the Lego store, and it's become pretty clear to me that Lego has made a pivot, understanding their market. They've pivoted away from little kids, although you can still buy plenty of stuff for kids, to nerds who uh, are living with their parents and are willing to spend money on things. So practically everything at the Lego store that's over like $40 is aimed at a 35-year-old single dude really? who lives with his parents. All kinds of Star Wars stuff that cost, uh, see, this um, this particular Star Wars, some sort of spaceship thing is $700. They got the whole big round one, whatever you call that. What is that thing? The Death Star? The Death Star, is that what that is? I, I've never seen Star Wars, you know? Oh, what? Um, yeah, I know. He's that surely one, a foreign agent. That one was $800, and they're sold out. You have to get on a waiting list to get those. The Friends set that they still have there, you can buy, and that's like $300. The, the, that's like the car, Central Perk Coffee House from the TV show Friends. They got a little got, uh, Lego uh, Janet and a little Lego Jimmy and a little Lego Ross. I remember Ross's name. I'd, I'd smash that one with a hammer. You can make the, a Lego Nintendo Entertainment set. So it's like, you know, uh, nostalgia for the old Nintendo set. And you make a little TV with the bunny ears on the back of it. That's only 300 bucks. So Lego has figured out there's a real nerd market among, you know, 30-somethings who are childless who are willing to throw money at nostalgia crap. Wow. They're pretty smart. 
you know. Oh, they, yeah. If there's a market there, sure, exploit yeah. it. But there are, there were more guys in their 30s without kids than there were parents with kids in the Lego store. Wow. I, I never would have guessed right. that. That's why I brought it to you. You wouldn't know that unless uh, unless I told you. Oh, I must admit, though, I'm enjoying uh, the Loki show. Oh, Speaking you of uh, yeah. child's entertainment for adults. Yeah, the, the season finale is Wednesday, I think. Yeah, it's a good little sci-fi uh, time-traveling epic. And we're, yes. we're, what are we right when we explained it's closer to, um, it's closer to, I can't think of any of the examples I was using. It's not a superhero movie as much as it is X-Files. Or, or the Blade Runner or, or something, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So if you're turned off by the idea of being a superhero, it's not really a superhero show. It's on the Disney. We uh, decided we wanted to have a, a booze, Joe and I. Conor McGregor got beaten again. He's lost his last five matches, but he's the biggest draw in UFC. Re- no matter how big a match he is in the UFC, he made most of his money off of selling his whiskey. So he came up with this kind of mediocre whiskey, put his name on it, sold it last year for $600 million. Like Sammy Hagar. Sammy, like uh, so Jimmy Buffett. Hagar sold his for a billion, I think. Oh, something obscene. Yeah, yeah. You got, uh, what are there, a couple other ones. Oh, George Clooney had a vodka that he sold for zillions of dollars. But we're thinking we're going to go low rate, like cheap vodka, really mm-hmm. cheap vodka. Plastic jug, yep. Yeah, we were thinking of something along the lines, if you hate your life and your liver, Armstrong and Getty, cheap vodka. Yeah. Uh, everybody says it needs to come in a clear plastic bottle, of course. The best vodka comes in a clear plastic vo- bottle. Um, oh, Stupid I- should hurt tomorrow morning. How about that one? That's not bad. <laughs> You could also have a high end called Can You See My Private Stash? Can you, can you? Nice. Pretty good. Nice. Back to a uh, a catchphrase on the show. Um, We could have a beer. Don't be an idiot IPA. (laughs) Quit being an idiot. Somebody had this idea. Again, you have to be a longtime listener to get this, but Armstrong and Getty's Bourbon of Damascus. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. You have disappointed me for the last time. These are your final thoughts. Well, Speaking of Star Wars tie-in right there. There you go. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, why not get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap up the show for the days? Pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Michael. Yeah, my suggestion for an A&G alcohol is, you think you're better than me, Hi- hard iced tea. You think you're better than me? Hard ice tea. I like it. Yeah. It's strong. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? I'm just going to read this text we got. A bit of lighthearted apropos of nothing here. I'm listening to you guys while snuggling my three-week-old daughter. Starting her off right, everything's going to be okay. There's nothing better than those early days of having a baby. Just freaking fantastic. My final thought is a bit of a repeat, but I'm, I'm looking at some of the reaction to the Eric Adams uh, tapes that we played. He's the uh, very moderate pro-cop, pro-law and order Democrat who looks like he's going to be the mayor of New York City. If we can get more guys like him in office in the big blue cities of this country, there's hope. That would be an incredibly encouraging trend. Well, it'd be nice to have uh, some serving of the 75% of us that are not at the extremes on either end for a change. Exactly, yeah. How about the uh, mayor of Portland, say, who's not in Antifa and, and just wants to protect the businesses and the people of that great city or Seattle, or San Francisco or San Diego or whatever? It's possible he's a sign that the pendulum is swinging back the other direction and we're not on a collision course with hell. Yeah, which you hate to be on. 
Um, yeah, the whole question, are we on a continuum or a pendulum, is always so interesting in American politics. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Holy cow, people are loving the red, white, and blue Armstrong and Getty t-shirt. Uh, snap it up at armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll bet I got a dozen compliments this weekend on my I'm vaxxed, no mask t-shirt. You got to wear one of those around. Get that at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. What a personal privilege. I'm just saying. You are being a grumpy pants. Get out of here, you moron! Take your turtleneck and get! Now, I know you guys are having fun playing your game, but damn it. Put the duck back. Halfsies on that. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, you. Your name will always be synonymous with the void we created. Ain't that a bache? Uh, Screw it, I'm leaving. Go away! Armstrong and Getty.